There have been two stories that have been on my mind a lot lately, and one of those is the story of Joseph, of Joseph, excuse me, and the other is the story of Moses. And uh, these are two guys, two men that had very big dreams. Joseph's brothers actually hated him because of his dreams and sold him into slavery, and Moses took things into his own hands and killed a man in a desire to fulfill his dreams. And both events sent them, of course, into crazy life journeys where I'm sure they must have doubted their dreams, doubted their calling, or been tempted to give up. I don't know if you've ever been there. Joseph went from the bottom of a well into slavery and then prison, while Moses ran from the law and ended up taking care of sheep out in the desert. We've all been in places in life where we have felt that we were made for more than this. We're made for more than this. You find yourself in a situation and you look around and, and you wonder. We feel it in our jobs at times. We feel it in our relationships. We feel it in ways where we continue to fail over and over again habitually. And you too says it in this way. They say, you've got to get yourself together. You've got stuck in a moment. And now you can't get out of it. It's hard to say it without singing it. Don't say that later will be better now. You're stuck in a moment. Stuck. And you can't get out of it. But it's not just a moment, is it? Some have faced different forms of addictions, habitual sin, repeat visits to anger, and judgmental words, and hardened hearts, and unforgiveness and selfishness and, and pride, just to name a few things that we find ourselves in. And these moments that we're stuck in, these repeat moments, whatever they may be, keep us trapped. They, they keep us imprisoned and, and shackled, if you will, to a life that is much less than what we were created for. Keep us shackled to it, and we're not free. And I think that that breaks God's heart, to see us shackled, to see us bound to not living lives of freedom, to not truly being free. It just doesn't have to be this way. Um, it doesn't have to, but you know, I think it takes a long time for us to mature as Christians. It doesn't have to, but it often takes a long time for us to mature and to grow up as believers. I was thinking about a couple of passages, and Paul says in particular, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're, by the way, we're, we're kind of younger sometimes than we think we are. Not as mature as we think we are. If someone were to ask you that out loud, you might kind of be, you know, well, I think I'm pretty mature. I've been a Christian since this. It's not about time. Sometimes we're younger than we think we are. And Paul says this to, to the Corinthian church. He says, brothers and sisters, he said, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. He said, I, I gave you milk and not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You're still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not Worldly, and I love this. He says, Are you not acting like mere humans? 
like mere humans. Because there's, there's more to what you should be than how you're acting. In another place, in Hebrews, he says this. He says, we have much to say about this. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. But it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers because you've done it for so long, right? You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. And you, you need milk and not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. I don't bring this up to shame any of you or any of us, okay? But for you to consider that you don't yet know the strength that we truly have at times what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I haven't grown up, some of us, to really gather that, to really grasp that. There's a story that's told about elephants, okay? And how people in a circus prepare elephants for that kind of work in the circus. And when an elephant is a baby, they actually take a rope and they put it around the elephant's neck as a young elephant and they tie it to this strong pole. And the elephant struggles and struggles to, to pull away from that pole, and they twist around, and they twist. And this goes on for a long time. And they realize, they finally get to the point after over and over, after repeated attempts, that they're not strong enough, that it's futile to, to keep on trying. And once their spirit is broken, all that a trainer has to do is just simply put a rope around the elephant's neck, and they just go nowhere. They don't even have to tie it to a pole. They don't have to tie it to a stake. Just the feeling of that rope around the elephant's neck just makes them sit still. And as adult elephants, okay, they could pull themselves free from anything that they were tied to when you understand the strength of an adult elephant. No pole would be able to hold them any longer with the true, the true strength that they possess. But the rope hangs around their neck, even as adults and they go nowhere. An adult elephant, in that regard, doesn't understand the power they have. Unfortunately, I think there's a lot that we share in common with those kinds of elephants. We don't realize the power and the strength that we possess because of Jesus. You know, I believe that the homeless I work with at Oliver Gospel Mission are kind of the same way sometimes. You know, they've failed so many times they've, they've, they've wanted to overcome addiction and they want to work to get back to the place that they can take care of themselves so they can get a job and, and pay the bills but it just seems insurmountable because they've failed so many times over and over and over that it seems like an impossible task there's many kinds of slavery there's many kinds of, of shackles that we, we face in life, different aspects of our life where we really desire freedom. I remember uh, working as a manager for Five Guys, burgers and fries, right? And uh, if you've ever been in a job that you just, I wouldn't say hated, but felt trapped, you ever been there? Anybody testify? Okay, all right. Um, I was a manager, but even though I was a manager, I did not have control over my schedule. I couldn't make plans 
with my family because I would receive the schedule that I had literally like the day before the week began. I was only supposed to work five days a week, but often it was six and seven. But then again, you just never knew what was going to come about with the week. Financial promises were made by my boss and never fulfilled. The boss threatened and cussed at employees, and you, you barely had time to even look for another job if you wanted to, and it's just this culture of fear that I lived in. I just felt like I couldn't escape. And I remember finally getting another job and just really literally breaking down and crying um, over being feeling that sense of freedom that I wouldn't have to come back to that place, wouldn't have to come back to that system. So today we begin a series about freedom and we begin a series about escaping the moment, if you will, that you've been stuck in. And today we talk about how to take the rope off from around your neck. Sometimes God will simply break you out of that moment, like the switch. And he did that in particular with Moses. But at other times, he will slowly display his power over time and expect you to follow his lead. But let's start with Moses, okay? So Moses is stuck in the moment. Remember, he he was raised, really, he, he had this perspective living in the house of Pharaoh, looking at his people saying that, he was going to be that rescuer, and it, it bothered him to see the slavery of his people. And we saw his own people fighting against each other, like, what's going on? And then a taskmaster literally going to town against one of his, his brothers. He went after that guy and killed him. And as a result, he took off running into the desert, finds himself out in that place, basically tending sheep. Moses wasn't made for that. He was made for tending something a little bit more important if you will. He was born and bred to be a leader and for this particular time and this particular calling, but he's out there. He's stuck in that moment, okay? But God busts it up and calls to him from a burning bush, and he says this, and the Lord said in Exodus 3, 7, I think I might have that one in there. If I don't, okay, I do. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. And I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, and Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And of course, Moses responds like someone stuck in the moment. He says, of course, he says, so he says this. He says, can you, you know, he's stuck in that moment. And can you imagine Moses thinking, he probably is walking around the desert so many times replaying that moment over and over where he crossed the line, more than crossed the line, committed murder and had to run. Over and over. When you're by yourself, tending sheep out in the desert, just contemplating what he had done over and over. So many times where my past mistakes, I remember being at Five Guys at the end of the night, finally just mopping a floor. 
mopping the floor and thinking about the things I'd done. Those quiet moments that had to have gone through Moses' mind so many times. And so he responds to God and says this in Exodus 3.11. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? But you know, with Moses in particular, and God deals with the Israelites differently than he does with Moses in a way, but God's immediate response is what? Is to reestablish Moses' dream. It's almost kind of like a, you know, pay attention. You're getting back on track as of right now, Mo, okay? Right now. And God said this in verse 12. He says, and God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. This is how you know, right? When you have brought the people out of Egypt, when you have finished what you had been called to do, you will worship me on this mountain. That's what he says. Not only are you going to bring them back, but guess what? You're going to bring them right back here. You will rescue your people. You will return to this mountain and worship me. This is the same mountain we talked about a few weeks ago where the Israelites gathered to meet with God and where Moses received the Ten Commandments from the Lord. Think about this. The Lord was going to turn the very place where Moses tended sheep and often pondered his failures. He walked through the desert into a place of victory and a place of worship. You're going to finish this and you're going to come back here, and the very place that you've pondered your failure will become a place of worship, a place of victory. Only God can do that. Only God can set free in such a way that the place you've been walking around all this time becomes holy ground. Reminds us of this this verse in 2 Corinthians 3.17. It's a great picture of the verse we've heard so many times. It says, now... The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, what? There is what? Say it louder. Sound like people with ropes around. With what? There is what? Still need to work on that. I want us to take a look at what happens next with Moses. Now, Moses, you know, still has that time trying to accept really what God's doing here. But, but he finally goes. And he actually gets to the moment where he goes before Pharaoh. And I want to take a look at this moment in Exodus chapter 5. We're just going to look at that chapter together. Exodus 5, 1 through 23, it says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh. This is after they had talked to the Israelite people and got them all jazzed up about what God was doing. He says to the Pharaoh, he says, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people See if you're awake. Okay, good. Go. So that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Let my people go. And then, and then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, where he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But listen to what the king of Egypt has to say. The king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to work. 
Then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you are stopping them from working. That same day, Pharaoh, this is after Moses and them had walked away, gave this order to the slave drivers and the overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people. And listen to this. So that they will keep working and pay no attention to lies. Maybe we can get them working harder and harder so they never look up. Keep them working so hard that they don't think there is any possibility of freedom. There is no possibility of that dream. They are mine forever. They're growing in number, and we're going to use this labor and run them into the ground. We just have to ratchet it up a little bit if they don't realize. Pull the, the noose on the rope a little bit tighter. If they feel that rope a little bit more, certainly they're not going to call out. They're not going to be talking about this, this other stuff that Moses is bringing. Then the slave drivers and the overseers went out and said to the people, This is what Pharaoh says, I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own straw wherever you can find it. But your work will not be reduced at all. So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubble to use for straw. The slave drivers kept pressing them, saying, Complete the work required of you each day just as it was when you had straw. And Pharaoh's slave drivers beat the Israelite overseers they had appointed, demanding, why haven't you met your quota of bricks yesterday or today as before? The Israelite overseers went and appealed to Pharaoh, why have you treated your servants this way? Your servants are given no straw, yet we're told, make bricks. Your servants are being beaten, but the fault is with your own people. And listen to what Pharaoh says. He says, lazy, that's what you are, you're lazy. That's why he keeps saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. You will not be given any straw, yet you must produce your full quota of bricks. The Israelite overseers realized they were in trouble when they were told you are not to reduce the number of bricks required of you each day. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting for them. Now the last time they talked to Moses and Aaron, they were really excited, right? God is going to rescue you. And now they come back to Aaron and Moses. It says, when they found Moses and Aaron waiting for them, and they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials, and you've put a sword in their hand to kill us. You ever been in leadership before? It's a pretty difficult place to be sometimes. And so Moses goes back to God, returns to the Lord and says, Why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Ever had a conversation like that with God? But look at what the Lord says. 
The Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. You know, thinking over this story and what we're, the journey we're beginning on freedom the next few weeks, you know, the enemy does not want us to realize the power that we have to be free. We see a story of Pharaoh trying to do that very thing, to, to keep the people down, to give them more work. He, want, he wants them to essentially continue to feel the weight of that rope, to not understand the freedom that's available. Make them work harder. Make them work harder. You know, um, what's interesting about this, and you've probably experienced this, and we've heard this adage probably mentioned in life, but here you see kind of a scriptural example of this, is that sometimes addressing issues, right, and, and claiming that freedom often make things worse, right, before they get better. And you see that happening here. And even seeing leadership as they've addressed it get, get attacked in the process. When you begin to, to take that rope off, when you begin to claim freedom, the enemy does not like it and will do everything that he can to make things more difficult for you. But when you address all those things, when you address the mess, if you will, it is going to get harder. The challenge is fully realized when you see what's before you. But what are you going to do about it? You know, the, the Israelites were just, the, the passage that it says, they just were, they were dejected. They, they felt the weight of that rope, if you will, and just felt like there's, there's nothing that's going to change. There's nothing that's going to happen here. But God says, let me show you what I will do. When you flip the page to chapter 6. Let me show you what I will do. Let me show you my power. And as you, if you've read through the story in Exodus, you see how God displays his power over and over and over again as he brings those plagues to Egypt. Different ways where God exerts his power over as the one true almighty God over the, the little tiny gods that, that Egypt worshipped showing his true authority, showing his ability to truly be, be the one to bring freedom. Now, I want to leave you with, with a couple of things today. First of all, I want you to think about what areas that, that you're looking for freedom. Maybe there's some things that you're continually struggling with. We talked about some of that earlier in the sermon. I want to remind you of a couple of verses from the book of James. It wasn't too long ago that the guys and the ladies all had Bible studies in the book of James. It's a great book to continue to go back to because it's so practical. And just a couple verses in James 1, verse 2 through 4. It says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be what? Mature. What did we talk about at the beginning? We can move from that milk to the solid food. That you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Those trials, what they do is they, they stir up that, that need to, to seek the Lord, to understand what the truth really is with the struggles with the, that we're facing. 
But then it says this later on in the very same chapter. This is really great. Because you've been coming to church, a lot of you, for a long time, haven't you? Probably since you were knee-high to grasshopper, as they say. Heard a lot of truth. Heard a lot of good stuff. But in James 1.22, it says this. It says, do not merely listen to the word. That's deceptive to just merely listen. Don't merely listen and so deceive yourselves. Say this next part. Thanks, all two of you. Let's try it again. Do what it says. That's just crazy. Don't you just rather sit down and just listen to sermons? Listen to better preachers than me that tell great stories? You know, that just great preachers? Wouldn't you just rather listen? Doing it, come on. Following through with something. A lot of, we have a lot of great ideas sometimes, right? We could do this and we could do that. When it comes to church, when it comes to business, when it comes to ideas around the house, I have a vision for this. And we, we, talk, we, we talk a good talk a lot, don't we? When it gets around to the doing part, that's kind of rough, isn't it? But it says what? Again, one more time, try it. <laughs> do what it says. It's kind of, we're going to skip ahead. There's actually a video that's kind of funny that's kind of come up on the internet a lot. I'm going to ask Justin to go ahead and play that for us. This guy's pretty motivational. We'll come back to this scripture. Do it! Just do it! Don't let your dreams be dreams. Yesterday, you said tomorrow. So just do it! Make your dreams come true! Just do it! Some people dream of success while you're going to wake up and work hard at it. Nothing is impossible. You should get to the point where anyone else would quit, and you're not going to stop there. No, what are you waiting for? Do it! Just do it! Yes, you can! Just do it! If you're tired of starting over, Stop giving up. Shia LaBeouf are the motivational speaker. Just do it. You know, Justin shared something. Can I share what you shared with me today we prayed about? And Justin, uh, yeah, he had no idea. Justin has, uh, I'm sure for a variety of reasons, for health reasons, for financial reasons, Justin has been, he's one of those guys that's walked around, if you've noticed, with a bottle in his back pocket. And it's not Coke. It's not Dr. Pepper. It's uh, spit <laughs> from chewing tobacco. I got nothing against that at all, but for, for Justin, he's been wanting to give this up for a long time. And it's just been one of those things that's kind of gripped him that he couldn't let go of. And yet today, he's like, man, and he's feeling grouchy this morning, I'm sure. Probably more than usual, right? <laughs> Love you, man. And just, you know, so like as soon as he told me what he said, I just prayed for him because I can only imagine how that feels to try to, to, to break what's become essentially an addiction. But he's doing it. The rest, look at the rest of James 1, 22. If you would put that back up for me. He says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says 
is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. If you looked at yourself, you've used this illustration a million times. Something's out of place, you do nothing about it. Your face is dirty, do nothing about it. What's the good at hearing the truth and doing nothing? But it says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law. I want you to read this part out. That what? sound again like people with ropes around your neck let's try it again but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that the law that gives freedom and continues in it not forgetting what they have heard but doing it they will be blessed in what they do There's a, there's a time to talk about things. There's a time to do things. It's time to hear truth. It's time to do truth. You know, the cafe is another good example for us. You know, we've been talking about doing something like this for a long time. We've got great ideas. Yesterday we did it. Talking accomplishes nothing. I wouldn't say that. It's not completely true. It helps. All right? But you have to follow through got to do something about it. Would you stand with me? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for the power that you have, who you are, that gives us freedom. Lord, we thank you so much for that. Lord, we thank you that uh, whatever we face, Lord, that you free us from that. Lord, you've, you've already forgiven us of sin. We thank you for, for your grace. Lord, we just pray that the things in our life that need to change, or that you would give us freedom, that you'd help us to move on, to help us to actually do something, to do what you've called us to do. Lord, we love you. We trust in you this morning, and we're so thankful just for the amazing God that you are. Lord, let us never forget who you are. Let us continually be reminded of you and your presence, Lord, as we, we go through this day, as we go through the week that's ahead. Lord, draw us closer. We love you. We thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.